Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Green and Growing back on your radio. Good Saturday morning to you. Ashley Frasca here. This hour of the show, it's an encore presentation of a topic that was pretty popular last month. And I wanted to bring it back about orchids. So sit back and learn from the experiences of others. And I've gotten three questions here lately in the last week about orchids, and I think that's timely, and I think a lot of people have the same concerns about them. So I'm going to read you a couple of the issues that these uh, ladies have. Diane wrote me last week, hope you can answer a question about an orchid. I was given one two years ago for Mother's Day. It bloomed beautifully. Here's what it looks like today. The leaves are beautiful. They're green and healthy. It's still got that long stem sticking out of the pot. And it hasn't bloomed since. So she's kept it alive for two years, but hasn't gotten to enjoy the best part, the flowers. So Diane says, I've been told by others that their blooms, they bloom about every six months. I've never repotted it. What do I do? And my friend Louisa sent me a picture of her orchid and same kind of story. The leaves look great. She's still got that dead stem on there and said, hey, do you think this orchid's dead? What do I need to do? So for Diane and Louisa, I have very good news. Um, The leaves are green. The leaves look fantastic. So, of course, the plant's not dead. If it were dead, you would definitely know. There's so much to learn about orchids, and I'm still on my way of doing so. I've got two at the house, and I'm in the same boat as them. Um, I've managed to keep them alive. I keep them watered just enough, but I've never gotten them to rebloom either. So to kind of dumb it down just a little bit, you kind of have to know if you have a winter-blooming orchid, if you have a spring-blooming orchid. Philonopsis, I think that is the... The uh, most common one that all of us get is gifts and all of that kind of thing. And it's kind of the moth orchid, I guess is what it's called. But that's the one that's going to rebloom. I found the American Orchid Society website. And oh my gosh, I mean, everything has a society, you know, roses, hydrangeas. I think azaleas have their own society. Um, But orchids do too. Why not? So found that website. And boy, if you go to AOS stands for American Orchid Society, AOS.org. They cover everything. Any concern, any wonder you've ever had about orchids, uh, it's all there. Certainly enough, there's a title, Why Won't My Orchid Rebloom? And this really caught me off guard. And a lot of you that are pretty good with orchids may have already known this. But it said, insufficient light's the most common cause of failure for it not to rebloom. Well, I think mine's getting enough light. Um, It's not in direct sun, but it's in an eastern-facing window, stays really warm, But here's the catch, and this is what I didn't know. Leaf color indicates the amount, whether or not the uh, amount of light is adequate. So the picture that Louisa sent me and the picture that Diana sent me, uh, the leaves are a lush, rich, dark green color. 
And actually, according to the American Orchid Society, they said that's actually not what you want. That's not desirable. When you're looking at an orchid, generally, if you're looking at like a grassy green color, something that's a little more lime, a medium green, that means the plant's receiving sufficient light to bloom. So mind blown. I thought the greener the leaf, uh, the happier the plant, and, and my odds are pretty good. But according to the American Orchid Society, that is not true. Um, and there are, you know, orchid-specific fertilizers, too. And a general rule of thumb that I've always preached on this show is fertilize something when it's in active growth. You know, over the winter, there's not a whole lot outside that you're fertilizing. I mean, your lawn goes the same way. You know, you're not going to fertilize Bermuda grass now when it's dormant. Everything that's in active growth, just like when we've just done a workout, you know, that's really when you need to be fed and you need the energy. But orchids are a little bit different in that you you do fertilize them quite often. And the phrase is you feed them weekly, weekly. And the first weekly is very, very watered down, right? A very weak uh, mix of fertilizer and weekly, every week. Now, I think what probably is going to work better, though, is feeding it maybe every two weeks um, when it's an active growth and maybe once a month when it's not. And I think that's where I've gone wrong. Um, I think it, it's telling me it's not getting sufficient light because it's too dark of a green and I haven't fertilized it. So that's going to be interesting. And what I told Diana and uh, Louisa both was what I do with the orchid fertilizer that I buy, I go ahead and mix you know, the ratio, the proper ratio in a half gallon milk jug. Um, because that way I have enough stored. I keep it capped and underneath the kitchen sink, and it's ready to go when I need it. And if this is something I'm doing every two to four weeks, it's already mixed. I don't have any excuses. Um, so it's mixed there with water in the right ratio. And something about orchids, too, you know, they've got the air roots. They've got the roots that are coming out uh, on top of the bark going over the pot. And what you don't want to do is pour, even though it's very diluted, you don't want to pour that fertilizer directly on those just as they're dry and have no moisture in them because you run the risk of burning it. So I water them first, water the two orchids that I have first, and then maybe in the next day or two um, apply the fertilizer. Because, yeah, the fertilizer has water, too. It's diluted. But that way there's not going to be a chance of it burning anything. So I hope that helps a little bit. Um, if you've had an orchid as long as two or three years and it has not rebloomed, I think I'm putting you on the right track. I think I'm going to take my own advice and see if I'm able to enjoy those too. And this is good info for all of you because you know Valentine's Day is about two weeks away and probably a good 26.7% of you or more are going to be given an orchid for Valentine's Day. So now we know how to care for them, right? So speaking of orchids, Gerald is calling now from Atlanta and has some thoughts on orchids as well. Good morning. Hey, Ashley. Good morning. Hey. It's Gerald calling Cascade, Atlanta, where many of the homes are large and the yards even bigger. That's <laughs> right. And you guys are lucky because that's hard to come by now with all that new construction. It really is. Yes. We're very lucky. I live in the house that my parents bought in uh, 1956, so wow. we've been here for you know 60 years. All right. Now, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but before we get going on orchids, what is your favorite plant or tree that is still established in that landscape that maybe your parents put there? Um, it would be. It would probably be. Oh, Japanese magnolias. Wow. Yeah, they got two. Well, we used to have two Japanese magnolias. Now we have one Japanese magnolia. My daddy cut down one of them, but we have we have a huge Japanese magnolia. It's so beautiful in the spring. Mm-hmm. It's it's a rich, 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 rich color. It's beautiful. Yeah, it gets to stay green all year round. So I yeah. bet it's huge. What twice the size of the house? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. That's awesome. Good, good deal. Well, so what do you think about orchids? What's your Let's thoughts? Let's see. Uh, as you mentioned orchids, I wanted to say I used to work for uh, Sue and Don Baker. They grow orchids up in Milton, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, they uh, I used to deliver orchids for them. So Phalaenopsis is what I'm talking about mostly, okay? Phalaenopsis, the moth orchid. That's what most people get. And Sue's thing about Phalaenopsis orchids was that orchids thrive on neglect. Huh. Orchids do not need anything. Right. I've got probably 10 orchids I've had for many, many years. They bloom all the time. Um, I put them outside under a shade. i got a big shade um, holly, mm-hmm. a holly that my daddy planted many years ago. I've got a big shade holly. I put the orchids under there. They stay there all, all summer. In the summertime, I don't water them at all. Whoa, when, it rains, wow. when, it gets, when it rains, they get water. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to get water. And then in the wintertime, bring them in the house, put them in a sunny window, and I water them once a month. See, less is more. That's right, because I, I think mean, a lot of people with houseplants, they worry and they tend to overdo, right? They worry, well, the minute a leaf falls off or the minute something starts to yellow, throw more water at it, right? And that's not nope. necessarily going to be the case. So nope. only once a month in the wintertime. Once a month in the wintertime, and the summer, I put them outside and let nature take its course. I do not touch them in the summer. Just wow. put them outside, and I, I swear, my orchids bloom all the time. Now, I, I, go ahead. so like you're saying, they thrive on neglect. Do you fertilize at all, or they just get enough okay. energy when yes. they're outside? I do fertilize them in the summertime. Okay. In the summertime, when they're not in bloom. Mm-hmm. Once they start blooming, I don't fertilize them at all. But if, they, if they're not blooming in the summer, then I'll fertilize them once a month as well. And how quickly do you find that the fertilizer really starts to give it that boost? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know, Ashley. I don't know. I wonder if it takes maybe three or four weeks before, you know, it really brings on that new stem and that new growth. I just don't know. You know what's funny, too, Gerald, is like a lot of folks, when they reach out to me, like these these two folks did on Facebook and others, when that stem dies, I mean, it's not going to rebloom, especially on a moth orchid. You know, that, no. that stem is dead, and folks are so afraid to cut it off, like it, almost like it's a limb, you know, and they're like, oh, I don't want to cut the orchid's arm off. And I'm like, yeah, but it's dead. It's not going to rebloom. It's not going to do anything. I cut that thing also fast. <laughs> not funny. <laughs> but it is. It's funny. It's funny to me. It makes me laugh. So this is good. I like this. And now, okay, so two schools of thought. I'm going to pick your brain, Gerald, on how to water orchids, okay? So the old way, when I was younger, everyone telling you, oh, just put an ice cube at the top of the pine bark in the soil and that's going to water it slowly i have found that to be really crummy advice although some folks swear by it now what my mother-in-law taught me and this works much better as we know orchids have a clear container that they're in and then usually they're in a decorative pot that's over that right so when you bring that pot up under the faucet and if you need to water it like you said over the summer don't worry about this if it's outside but when you need to water it run it under the faucet you don't have to get the leaves or anything wet but let that pot that decorative pot fill up with water and i just soak it i let it sit for like an hour maybe it soaks and then i remove you know pick up the orchid and the clear insert and then dump the water out of the decorative pot make sure everything's kind of dry i do that one hour a month soak it in water that's enough Ashley, you do too much work. Oh. What I do, Ashley, is I take the orchids in the summertime. Now, uh-huh. when, I, when, I, when I feed them in the summer, I fill a bucket with, with uh, water and my, my orchid food. I take the orchid out of the, out of the uh, decorative container, like you said. I put the plastic down in the, in the uh, orchid food water yeah. just till it stops bubbling. Oh. Just as stops bubbling, it bubbles for like five seconds. I mean, ten seconds. Not no hour, no means no mean. No, just for a few seconds, just it stops bubbling. That's when that's when it's saturated. So then I take it out, put it back in the pot, and leave it alone. Wow. Yes, exactly. What I do actually, and I swear to you, my orchids bloom. My, my orchids bloom all summer long. 
All right, Gerald, yeah. I, I see your phone number on my screen, and I'm writing it down because I will be stalking you, my friend. You are now my resident orchid expert. <laughs> I can do orchids. I can do orchids. My mother used to do African violets. I don't do very well with African violets, but I can do orchids. No problem at all. That is great. And and who did you say was the couple in Milton? Sue and Don who? Sue and Don Baker run Rainbow Orchids. R-A-I-N-B-A-U, Orchids in Milton. Now, I don't know if they're still up there or not. It was five years ago I used to work for them. Yeah. Yeah. But they they have a wonderful operation up there. I used to deliver orchids for them. You know, to different stores and stuff. Yeah, gosh, you've learned a lot. That is so fantastic. Well, Gerald, I can't thank you enough. That's great information, my man. And I will. I will be in touch with you. Is that okay? Actually, it's absolutely fine. I'll call you before. We talk. You know, we talk before. I do. We we, we talk before. I tell you, I live in an urban forest. You're doing a fabulous job. Actually, I love you. I listen every Saturday morning. I am so glad to know that, Gerald. Thank you so much, friend. I'll be talking to you soon. Wow, that's great. That makes me really happy. More of your calls and questions about orchids coming up on Green and Growing here on WSB. The update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. Back to your calls about orchids in a minute, but first, this. Green Green and Growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, we've spent a lot of time these last few months cutting. Well, number one, it's not too late to cut most of the green or the colored, rust-colored almost, Uh, blades off of tattered monkey grass. A mower set to its highest setting is probably best, or like me, if it's a small area, use sharp hand pruners. Number two, you can still plant roses. Pick a spot where they'll receive at least six hours of sun a day, or ideally more. Break up the dirt really well where they are to be planted. And number three, your pansies, they've loved the cold weather and should still be thriving. Fertilize them since the soil is warming. Use any water-soluble houseplant fertilizer or osmocote. Up next, go up to Kennesaw and say good morning to Nancy. Welcome to Green and Growing. Well, good morning to you. Hi. I keep lots of orchids, and my favorite kind are the uh, Phalaenopsis, all the different colors. Right. But my favorites are the huge white ones. There's a type of white Phalaenopsis being sold now. They're cascading, and it's usually two stalks, and they come up over that bent piece of bamboo. They last forever, and they're gorgeous. Oh, now how long have you had them? Do you know? Oh, I have them just about all the time. Mm -hmm. How long Um, have you kept one in particular, though? Oh, gosh. It's 10 years? About a year. Oh, a year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, about a year. I keep them inside. I mean, Mm because there's lots of light that it gets. I don't particularly like the idea of putting it outside. Everybody's own preference. Yeah, yeah, and Gerald's a little bit further south than you and I, um, being in the northwest, and so that works in the summertime, you know, bringing them out. A lot of houseplants do prefer to get uh, outside in the summertime. Not direct sun, obviously, but that is good for them. Nancy, I'm so glad you called. You threw out a lot of good things to think about. Uh, I wanted to mention, you know, Nancy and Gerald talking about their interest in orchids, and for those of you who just you don't appreciate their beauty and their uniqueness. The Fuqua Orchid Center is right here at Atlanta Botanical Gardens, you know, right there near Piedmont Park. The orchid family is the largest and most diverse plant in the world. There's 25,000 different kind of species. And the Fuqua Orchid Center showcases about 2,000 species. So that's still a lot of orchids. All right, coming up at the bottom of the hour, one of my conversations from a year or more ago 
with a 15, probably now 16-year-old young man here in the metro Atlanta area who has an obsession about houseplants. But included in that is his wild collection of orchids. Really, really fun piece. I can't wait for you to hear it. When we come back on Green and Growing, you're listening to 95.5 WSB. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. It is my honor and privilege to be here with you, waking you up on a Saturday morning. So a really fun part of this show for me over the last two years have been my self-appointed field trips, right? I get to travel anywhere in the state that I want and meet and talk to anybody that I want about any topic. And so when I hear of people doing interesting things that are garden related, I go. I go with my little headset and my microphone and I do interviews. And this one was from over a year ago. Um, a, a former co-worker's son, actually, who is now 16 years old, Ryan Tedeschi. We just picked up a great conversation at Pike Nursery one day. And his passion and knowledge of houseplants and orchids and different varieties of houseplants that are kind of trendy right now really inspired me to do this piece. So I want you to take a listen. And the rest of this hour, we're going to continue talking about orchids because it really struck a chord with all of you about a month ago. And it's just fascinating to me. I am with Ryan Tedeschi. Ryan, how old are you? 15. And how did we meet? Uh, We met at Pikes at a live radio show. Favorite Pike location? Uh, Probably the one in Buckhead. The reason that you and I have met, and I'm over at your house, you've got an east-facing window, a very large east-facing window, which is perfect. That's where you've got all of your hanging baskets hanging from, Hoya, orchids, houseplants as we know them, philodendron, monstera, things like that. There's a ZZ plant, which I, which I really like. And I'm in your bedroom and I'm looking at all these amazing plants, like a study, like a lab almost in here, the way that you've been able to pot things and grow things and experiment with different plants. But I want to go backwards in time. When did your interest in all of these different plants start? It started when I was in sixth grade in 2017, when I got my first ever plant, a lucky bamboo, and just kind of stemmed from there into more and more plants eventually. Now, what was the significance of the lucky bamboo or who was it from? So I just bought a lucky bamboo because I like the look. And I'm like, hey, I love how happy plants make me. And I'm like, why not get more? So you definitely have an affinity. And after almost four years of doing this, you've, you've got the science of it down. So we won't get too muddled in that. But first of all, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the science of all the plants and everything you're able to do in here comes down to good soil composition. Would you agree? Yes, very much. Most of my plants mostly require high draining soil, so you have to kind of figure out mixes and different stuff to put in your soils to make sure it's pure enough so it won't compact and it won't retain too much moisture and the plant won't rot. And you get to know each plant and what it likes. Um, and you showed me kind of a Rubbermaid bin you've got here under the bed of a soil that you composed all on your own. Tell me what the ingredients were to that. 
So I mix coconut fiber with perlite, pumice, and orchid bark, charcoal, um, and different types of fertilizers. What is that particular soil best for out of all the plants you've got? I use it for mostly Hoyas and types of aeroids like philodendrons, anthuriums, monsteras, etc. If you had to pick a favorite, I know that's hard, what would it be? Probably my philodendron 69686. This takes time and it does take money. It is not cheap. This passion just lends itself to all of these costs as you're discovering all of these new things. What's the most you've paid for a plant? I'm holding my breath. $125. (laughs) Tell me what's so special about that one. It's cool, but it's not talking to me. It's not walking the dog. What does it do? It's a very different type of philodendron. This is my philodendron 69686. And eventually, once it gets big enough, it'll produce these huge, huge leaves with like... It's also called a philodendron big ears, so it'll get really big ears on the plant and also get a really thick lobe of it. And they're just very cool if you see them in a mature form. When we originally started talking, talked about your love for orchids and your interest in orchids and how many different kinds that you're trying to experiment with, what would you say to someone who they're never able to keep it alive? Are we overthinking that? Is it really a lot easier to take care of? Orchids are one of the easiest plants ever. The biggest tip is just forget about it. Do not water it. Like water when you remember, like maybe every two weeks. You don't need to water them all that often. You were spouting off to me as we were talking all these different names of orchids, and you showed me a plant, which which is this one? Uh, this is a type of black jewel orchid. It's a plant with like mostly black leaves and kind of pinkish-white veining that sparkles in highlight. But Ryan, that doesn't look like what I know is an orchid, but what did you tell me about the orchid family? Orchid is one of the biggest types of families where you can have epiphytic orchids or orchids that grow in trees orchids that can grow in rocks, parasitic orchids that take life from another plant, or terrestrial orchids, orchids that just grow in the ground in normal soil. Go ahead and spout off to me maybe six of the varieties of orchids you've got. Coconut orchid, which is called Maxillaria tenuifolia. Those will have little blooms come out from the base, and they'll have coconut-scented blooms, and they're supposed to scent up your whole room. Cattleya orchids are pretty easy type of orchid to take care of, pretty common. Dendrobium orchids are also a very easy type of orchid. Same care as like Cattleya's and Philanopsis. Just water them. And there's so, 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 so many different varieties of Dendrobium orchids. And some are friggin', some are not. Um, now what's the Phila, Phila which one? Philanopsis orchids. So uh, that's the only word that I've heard of that you've used so far. So Philanopsis orchids are literally the orchids that you'll find everywhere. They're also called moth orchids. These are the ones that people tend to struggle the most with just because they tend to see them, think they're tropical, so you have to keep watering them, but just leave them alone. That's all you really have to do. The kind of soil that they like, when we were talking about the soil composition, what's most key? The bark, would you say, or the drying agent to keep it from holding too much moisture? What's most important? A lot of factors kind of go into that, like what type of pot you have like the normal plastic pot that you get you should probably just repot it in a terracotta pot that's like meant for orchids where it has many drainage holes because terracotta also takes out moisture thus my biggest recommendation but you can also get ceramic ones that are airy but also for soil you can have mostly bark bark is the main thing that they like but you can also add stuff like charcoal that helps purify soil 
give me four, maybe five supplies in this room that are a must have for you to do your work. Terracotta pots obviously being the best type of pot for me because my plants like to not have too much moisture in the soil. Uh, moisture meters are very helpful for beginners to know how wet your soil is and when to water it. If you have a state uh, plant that likes to vine, plant velcro is very useful because you can just cut it to whatever length you want and it's very good to keep your plant up. Um, and also it's not permanent so you can just take it off. Sphagnum moss is very useful for taking cuttings and if you want to wrap it around your stakes. But it, personally, I think it's best for cuttings just because I have the least amount of rot with them. Spray bottles are pretty useful if you have stakes because if you want to wet them, it's really good for aerial roots. Also, for me, I have lots of terrariums. Very useful for watering those, especially the ones that can change um, type of spray it is if you want to get more specific areas or just want to do a general area they're very useful ryan i can guarantee you a place like pike nursery or some specialty store would love to see someone of your caliber and your age and your knowledge what kind of job would you enjoy i mean have you earned a first paycheck yet no i have not but i have gotten money in other ways like babysitting and pet sitting like stuff like that for now i would really like to start a mini terrarium shop or something like small like just to get money from that but maybe in the future i would love to live in south florida and kind of produce plants that way maybe have my own greenhouse and produce plants like that but we'll see when the time comes so when you're ready to earn that first paycheck if it's around plants what about that makes you happy it's just something, um, like making money off of something that I love doing, so you're never really working when you're doing that. I can talk hours about what I like doing. <laughs> and one of my biggest questions with the cool collection of things that you have was how much of it is you go into a nursery and you buy the plant versus how much of it is mail order or you're able to, you know, go online. What success do you have with both of those avenues of buying plants? So normally when you're in person, you can't get nearly as many rare plants. But online, you can get tons of different options for buying rare plants. But the only problem with online, your package could get lost in shipping or it could just not end up alive. Like say, for example, it's winter right now, so I wouldn't normally order plants right now. Yeah, with nurseries, you have obviously don't have to deal with shipping or your package getting lost. So nurseries are pretty fun to go to, just normally just to look around, stuff like that. How many times when you go to the nursery, do you know exactly what you're going for versus you come home having bought one or two things you weren't expecting to buy? <laughs> it's, a bit of, it's a mix of both. Say, for example, I'll ask a plant store, post a plant that I want to like, oh, and just get that. But sometimes, like when I went on a rare plant sale that a plant store was doing, I didn't know what I was going in for. And I ended up spending quite a bit of money. And I bought like two of my favorite plants there. The thing about all of this that you're happiest to share with other people, what is it? So what I'll do for a lot of people's birthdays is I'll take cuttings for plants and I'll take them like maybe a month or two prior to their birthday so the plants can be fully rooted. By the time I gave it to them, I always just find joy telling them about it and how to take care of it. And I love how happy plants make me. How sweet. And who wouldn't be happy after that? Thank you, Ryan. All right, up next, we go to North Carolina. We say good morning to Janet. Well, good morning. How are you listening to the show this morning? Oh, I always listen to you. Are you listening online or on the app? 
Uh, no, I actually can get radio until about 8.30, somewhere along there. Great. I love it. Yeah, it's something atmospheric with the signal that it's better around dawn and dusk and all of that, I think. So that's fantastic. Well, welcome, welcome. What can I do for you? I was so interested in your callers about orchids. Mm-hmm. I'm a newbie. I got one for Christmas. It's lovely. The only directions I got were to take that plastic pot out of the decorative pot and put it into room temperature water mm-hmm. and leave it one minute. I've been doing that, timing the one minute, mm-hmm. and it's doing fine. My question is, can I also do that with fertilized water according to the mixture directions for the orchid fertilized? You know, I think that's a great question, and I was so thankful in the last hour to have a a listener, uh, Gerald, from the Atlanta area call and say, look, Ashley, you know, the way you're watering and the way Janet's watering, that's too hard. You're making it too complicated, but I'm going to stick with what works as far as, like you said, submerging that plastic pot inside the decorative pot. If you do it for a minute, that's great. I, I let it go for an hour, which probably is a little too much, but I just feel like... I don't need to water that often then, you know, less than once a month for these orchids. But for the fertilizer, so yes, so I mix the powder in with the right ratio of water. I myself put it in a half-gallon milk jug and keep the cap on, keep it underneath the kitchen sink. That way I've always got some on, on hand when I need it. And an active growth, plan on fertilizing every two to three weeks, and then like this time of year, maybe once a month is sufficient. But I've been told, and I've had best practices, with watering first. Go ahead and just use straight water like you're doing for a minute. That way the air roots are able to absorb a little bit of that, and that gives them a little bit of a barrier, a little bit of protection from what's coming next, which is the liquid fertilizer, right? We don't want to run the risk of burning anything. So I think that's a good practice. Water at first. You know, I mean, yeah, don't, don't have the fertilizer application be the first moisture that the poor plant has seen in a month. So yeah, I'd go ahead and do that. But Uh, Oftentimes, if you water a little bit, just like for that minute, and then the fertilizer application's liquid as well, that's going to be sufficient moisture again until you're, you know, ready to do it again. Oh, wonderful. That was my question, the fertilizer. I did hear Gerald, but I failed to get the accurate information about submerging into the fertilized water. But thank you. You Water first. Take it out and then do the fertilizer water. Yep, I think that's a I think that's a good practice for sure. Oh, I love your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very good to hear from you. Thank you so much for checking in from North Carolina this morning. All right, time to take a break, and we will return on Green and Growing on WSB. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. We're just getting started here on Green and Growing, but the weather update, I think your ears perked up. Yes, meteorologist Christina Edwards reminding us a hard freeze tonight could get down to the mid to low 20s. A lot of you have asked, what do I need to do to protect my plants? And whether it's advice from Walter Reeves, I even saw something posted from the American Hydrangea Society. They're based here in Atlanta. All the recommendations are the same. First, you need to make sure the plants have been properly watered. That helps them rebound a little bit from cold weather. And with the rain this week, I don't think that's a problem. But generally, you want to bring everything inside that you can, or at least potted things, sheltered up against the house or the carport or something, and cover what you can. Whether you use a sheet or plastic or even a cardboard, box make sure it goes all the way to the ground and walter reeves does remind us frost cloth you can leave for several weeks but plastic and cardboard you have to remove it to prevent the sun burning it but those simple tips should get you by 
coming up in the next hour. More of your calls and questions and my visit to Marietta recently to visit the Marietta Tree Keepers, the Georgia Forestry Commission. And we had a good time with Christy Bryant as well of speaking for the trees. All of that next on Green and Growing. You're listening to WSB. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.